you have to say unto us on tonight. Thank you for our teacher and our helper which walks alongside of us to help us, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us into all truth. And Father, I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was going back over the teaching, I thought about the long definition that I gave you with the teacher, so I broke it down for you. I know some of you was concerned about that long definition. See, God loves you so much that he even hear you talking. So I'm going to give you the definition, a shorter version of a teacher that will wrap it up and sum it up all in one. Amen. So a teacher, one who teach the word of God with understanding. God loves you, doesn't he? One who teach the word of God with understanding. That's a teacher. I just wrapped it all up in one. One who teach the word of God with understanding. We thank God for the teachers. Amen. Amen. The teachers have a, a big job to do. And they have to make sure that what they're teaching is in alignment with what the word of God is saying. And we don't want to take that lightly when it comes to teaching the word of God. And one thing we don't want to take lightly, everybody can teach, but not everybody who teaches a teacher. So you have to understand um, that just because you see a teacher, that don't mean that they are a teacher. They can teach, but that don't mean that they are a teacher. So we got the definition of teacher who calls a person to teach. We know that comes out of Ephesians 4.11. We know God is the one that called them to teach. Um, I went over 1 Corinthians 12.28, which said, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. When we look at 1 Corinthians 12.28, when it said teachers are third after the apostles and prophets, the reason why they are third, because once the apostles and prophets lay the foundation, the teachers come in, we, we'll see the foundation laid, but then you see the different sections in a house. You have the living room, you may have the dining room, you may have the kitchen, you have different rooms in a house. So what that teacher does, once that foundation is laid, the teacher come in there and they give you understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. They give you that understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. They end up breaking it down for your understanding. That's what a teacher's job is. A teacher is not going to just throw the word out. A teacher is going to break down that word so you will have understanding of that word. Um, when we look at um, dealing with the apostles and the prophets, we know Ephesians um, 2.20 um, tells us about how the foundation is laid with the apostles and the prophets. I tell you what, God sets up things the way that he knows that they need to be set up. And if we go by the way that God does things, it would, would not be so hard in the body of Christ to catch on to what God is doing because we're doing it by his way of doing and not our own. So we know in Ephesians 2.20 it says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ 
himself being the chief cornerstone. So we know that the apostles and the prophets laid the foundation. So that's why they say first apostles, secondary prophets, and then teachers, thirdly teachers, because the teachers come in right after the apostles and the prophets, and they begin to give you understanding about that foundation that was laid. So everything that Jesus came in and he gave to the apostles, the apostles came in and the prophets and they, you know, laid that foundation, but you still need to have understanding of this gospel and of the kingdom. And we're going to get into that more. Also, I went over um, how when it comes to a teacher, a teacher is going to teach by revelation. A teacher should not be one that just read the Bible and bring you scriptures out of the Bible and there's no revelation. Revelation means it has to be made known. It has to be revealed. A person cannot be a teacher without revelation and illumination coming from the word of God. Some people will take scriptures and they will just write down those scriptures and they feel as if that scripture go with what they are elaborating on, but that's not true. See, a good teacher is going to know um, what they're teaching, and they're going to know that every word that's in that verse does not mean that it goes with another verse. This is why a good teacher is going to dissect the word of God. So you have to be careful just to throw out a lot of scriptures and say, this is what Paul is saying because this is what this scripture is saying. No, you have to have some revelation. You have to have some insight. This is why when we look at Ephesians 1, Verse 17, he said that, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Your um, eyes of your understanding is the eyes of your heart. A good teacher is going to have enlightenment, illumination, and revelation um, concerning the things of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when the word of God is taught, People hear the word and faith come by hearing and hearing come by the word. So if you teach in the wrong doctrine and people are hearing that, guess what they're going to do? They're going to tell somebody what they heard and then that person going to tell somebody what you said and that word is going to keep going but it's not exactly what the word of God is saying. So a good teacher is going to make sure this is what the word of God is saying. They're not going to take it out of content. And a good teacher is going to know when someone is teaching, they're going to say, they're going to get a check and say, wait a minute, that's not what the word is saying. So this is why I always tell the teachers in this house, when it doesn't matter who's teaching, if there's a light bulb that come on and there was not enough enlightenment or there was not enough understanding coming from that word, then they need to go to whoever is teaching that word and say, okay, this is what I got out of what you were teaching. And the Holy Spirit is letting me know you need to expound on that some more because if not, it's going to bring error. You need to let them know exactly what you're saying because this is how offense comes to in the body of Christ. This is why it says wisdom is the principal thing, but in all you're getting, get understanding. So anything that you don't understand that someone is teaching, maybe it went over your head or maybe it was something that God was not saying at that time. That's when you go to the one that's teaching and you get understanding of what's being taught. Now, if I'm the one that's teaching and there's some understanding that you need, you're not going to go to Renee. 
because she's not the one that was teaching. I'm the one that was teaching. Now, this happens too when teaching is going forth, when a teacher is teaching. If you're not in the word, I'm going to say it again. If you're not in the word and the word is coming at you, you could take offense because you ain't in the word. And you blow things all out of proportion, and that's not what was really said. Why? Because some people are full of confusion. Some people are full of offense. Some people look for something to be said so they can blow up and say, you talking to me. But I look at it like this. When someone is teaching the word of God, and God is using them to teach and to bring understanding, if it hit me, hallelujah. God, I thank you. That's me. Lord, help me in that area. Show me what to do in that area. Instead of taking offense, say, Lord, they were talking to me. But if you know they were not talking to you, but you know that it has come off in a way that will leave a crack, that will leave a gap to have somebody to think otherwise, that's when you get with the person that's teaching and say, this is the understanding that I got from what you were teaching. And if they say, no, 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 that's not what I was portraying. That's not what I meant to say. This is what I meant to say. That's when that teacher would say, let me go back over that area because if you didn't understand what I was saying, maybe there's somebody else in the room that did not either. That's a teacher that's humble. Now, a teacher that's full of pride, they would think, I know what I said. And that's what the Lord gave me. It's nothing wrong with it. So I don't see no point of correction. That's not a good teacher. Because a good teacher will humble themselves and they will say, well, if you took it that way, then let me see, you know, let me go back over it because it may be somebody else in the room that feel like you feel. So it's best to close up that gap than to just leave it there. Because guess what the enemy going to do with that word? If it's a good word that you're teaching and you don't close that gap, the enemy going to come in and he's going to begin to feed somebody else off that same way that that person feel. And then that good teaching, you will lose it. He don't want you to get enlightenment from the word. So he's going to use anything he can to try to get you not to understand what the word of God is saying. This is why a good teacher is going to make that word so simple that a little child will come up to you and tell you exactly what you said. They will let you know, you know, you said this right here and this is this right here and that right there. They'll pick it up. So we got to be careful as teachers when we teach the word. We have to have revelation for ourselves. A teacher is just not going to give you a scripture and don't have enlightenment on that scripture for themselves. I can pull a lot of scriptures from the Bible and just throw them out. You could have done that. It ain't no just slinging scriptures. If you're going to have some scriptures, you may have one main scripture. You got revelation on that scripture. God will give you two other witnesses. Let the word be established. You want to establish that word, confirm that word by some more witnesses. But it's going to be in the same um, area. It's not going to be uh, taken from somewhere that is not um, adding up to what you're saying. So we want to make sure that we're teaching the word accordingly. Um, I went over also um, Ezra. One thing about a good teacher, a good teacher in Ezra chapter 10, it says that Ezra had worked hard. He dedicated, devoted himself, set his heart to know, to study and obey, practice, do, observe the teaching, the law, the Torah of the Lord, and to teach his rules and commands to the Israelites. So the first thing that Ezra had to do 
as a teacher, he had to work hard, he did dedicated, and he devoted himself. So a teacher, before they teach anyone else, they're going to go into the word of God themselves. They're going to study that word. They're going to meditate on that word. They're going to get illumination from that word. Then that, what are they doing? They're preparing their heart. They're making their heart ready to give out that word. Ezra did not give out that word until he devoted himself unto the word. A good teacher is going to be dedicated. They're going to be devoted to the word. They're not going to come in here on Sunday, hear the word, and then come back the following Sunday and teach the word and ain't been in the word all week. That's not a good teacher. You cannot have a teacher just hitting and missing every now and then. A good teacher is going to, you know, sit before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to see through this word. First of all, Holy Spirit, deal with me. I need an understanding of this word. I can't give somebody something I do not understand. So we want to make sure that a teacher is dedicated, devoted, preparing their heart for the word of God before they go out and try to teach someone else the word of God. Another thing with the teacher, and I'm going back over all this stuff to let you know the difference dealing with a teacher because, like I said, we all can teach, but not everybody is a teacher. A teacher is going to have a love. It's going to have a compassion for the word of God. I know when I go into the word of God and I begin to meditate and study on the word of God, everything around me have to be set in order. Nothing can be out of order. I have to have everything I need to do my studying and to do my following up. One thing that I don't do, a good teacher is not going to have a commentary sitting in front of them to see what somebody else is saying before they hear from the Holy Spirit. Because everybody, like these study Bibles, I have told people it's not good when you're starting out in the Word to get a study Bible. Because all the notes that's in those study Bibles, that does not mean that's God speaking. That could be man's opinion of what they think or how they feel. So the best thing you can do is get a good Bible that have references in that Bible and just have the Word of God. Because when you do that, you're hearing from the Holy Spirit for yourself. You're not dependent on somebody else to give it to you. And this is how you develop your relationship um, with the Holy Spirit so he can illuminate that word, so he can give you revelation on that word. Once the Holy Spirit has illuminated you and have given you revelation, and remember now, the Holy Spirit is only going to bear witness to the truth. That's why he's called the Spirit of Truth. He's not going to go outside of what Jesus have already said. So if you wait on him and the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you and giving you illumination, now when you go look at those notes, you're going to know if they're in alignment with what the Spirit of Truth is saying. Do not look at nobody notes and go on those notes because you don't know what they're portraying. That could be error. So you want to be so careful not to look at uh, commentaries just to base it upon that. Another thing that you don't want to look at is um, Bibles that sometimes they'll break it down for you and it's easy. But the first thing you want to do is break down those words yourself. You have to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what are you saying with this word? 
how can I look at this word the way you see this word? That's why you have Hebrew. That's why you have the Greek. And you want to make sure that everything is in alignment because some Bibles will use a word that's not the correct word that need to be used. So a good teacher is going to take the time to understand what the word of God is saying. How did they do this? They got to know the timing of why Paul said what he said, what culture it was in. You just can't just go read the Bible and say, Paul is saying this. But why is Paul using this kind of language? Why did Jesus use these illustrations? Because it was for the day and time that they were in. And you got to look at their cultures back then, how they did things. And this is why Jesus used parables, because he was giving them these parables based on the time that they were living in. It is still the word of God, but you got to understand the content. You got to understand the application. You got to understand all of these things before you throw it out there and say, this is what God is saying. This is why it takes time in the word of God to understand why Paul said what he said and why Peter said what he said because it's the timing, the time that they were um, living in and the culture that they were dealing with, the reason why things were said like they were said. It takes time when it comes to the word of God. Reading, studying, and meditating is different. When you read, you're just reading. But when you get into really um, the word speaking to you, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking through you reading. That means that God is speaking. That's a rhema word that's being spoken. You're supposed to stop reading. And you're supposed to meditate on what he's saying. If God is saying, um, fear thou not because I am with thee. You're reading in Isaiah and you're hearing that more than you're hearing anything else. God is telling you something. So you want to stop and say, God, what are you saying to me? This verse is sticking out to me so much I can't move. So what do you want me to do with this, God? Wait on him. To hear what God has to say. The next thing you know, you done left from reading. Now you meditating on a verse. God is giving you some illumination, some revelation from that verse. And guess what he's doing? Y'all, it's like a puzzle. When he gives you that verse of scripture, the Holy Spirit is the best reference that, that you can even buy. What he'll do is when he give you that one scripture, it's like a puzzle. You got that one scripture, you put it in place. Then he's giving you another scripture that's hooking to that scripture. And then you got a whole train of them. And now you're saying, wow, there it is, God. Now I understand what you saying and why you saying what you saying to me, because everything is going to fit in its proper place. So you just can't be a teacher and just read the word and not get revelation or illumination. You have to be ready to have understanding yourself of what the spirit is saying to you. Give you another example. When we go into the word of God, I'm going to give you this example. Um, Matthew 7, 1. It says, judge not and ye shall not be judged. When somebody read that, they would say, we don't have a right to judge. But that's not what the word is saying. You can take the word out of content when now this kind of judgment here, it said, judge not and ye shall not be judged. Jesus is speaking to say, I cannot judge Teresa just to judge her based on my opinion. 
But when I do righteous judgment, that's coming through the spirit. It's not coming through how I feel. So if I'm judging her wrongly, God say, judge not Amanda, because you're going to be judged by how you judged her. When you stand in front, um, in front of me, this is how I'm going to judge you based on how you judged her. So this is what that scripture is saying. The scripture that says judging righteously is John 7, 24. This is why you have to understand what's being said. It said, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So if I look at a person, I can't judge them based on how they look on the outside or, or what they're doing or what they appear to be doing. When I'm judging by the spirit, I'm hearing what the spirit have to say, and I'm bringing correction through the spirit, not based on what I see naturally. So when I'm judging according to the spirit, it's going to be according to what the word of God is saying, not according to how I feel or how I feel like it should be. So we can take scripture out of content. This is why when you read a verse of scripture, teachers, you cannot take that one verse and begin to teach on it and say, judge not and you shall not be judged. We don't supposed to be judging as Christians. Eh, error. Because you, you haven't even went in there and researched to understand why he said what he said. You just took that first verse of scripture and say, no Christian has the right to judge. No. So that's taking that the wrong way. So if you're teaching somebody, then you're teaching them to say, you can't judge nobody. No. When somebody is committing adultery, okay? And that you know they're coming to you and telling you they're sleeping with somebody else that's married. So you're going to say, well, I can't say nothing to them because um, I'll be judging them people. <laughs> if you're judging righteously according to the word and telling them what the word say, the word don't lie. So that is not your opinion. That's what the word says. They come to you. They told you they were sleeping around. They told you who they were sleeping with. So it's up to you to tell them, well, let me tell you what the word says. This is what the word says. So you're not judging them with your own opinion. You're judging them by what the word of God says. You're judging them righteously. You're judging them coming from the spirit, not coming from the flesh, right? So let me give you another scripture that the Lord showed me that stood out. It's another scripture that's, that's always used. And it's 2 Timothy 2.15. And it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Did anybody know what that verse is saying? Anybody? Can somebody tell me? What did anybody perceive that verse to say? Jennifer? Okay. Okay, what this scripture is saying, I'm going to start from the beginning. Study to show thyself approved. That is not the word study for knowledge. This word study here means to have make an effort, diligent. 
It says, when you making an effort, it ain't got nothing to do with this knowledge thing at first. What he's telling Timothy is, I want you to make an effort to show yourself approved unto God. Approved means to be pleasing and acceptable unto God. He said, Timothy, you're going into being a pastor. He says, so I want you to make an effort to please God, not to please man with the position that you're in. This is what study means in the Greek. It does not mean based on mere knowledge of the word. He said, but I want you to uh, make it your effort. I want you to work hard at um, being approved unto God, being pleasing unto God. A workman, that workman means when a person is working, it's like a servant. It's like the position that they're in. Then when you get to the other part, rightly dividing, When Timothy is pleasing unto God, that means he's not trying to please man with the position he's in. He's pleasing God with that position that he's in. So how is he going to please God? He's going to take the word that has been given to him, that has been taught to him, which is the word of God. He's going to divide it rightly. So when he give it to people, it ain't going to be outside of what was given to him. That's what that means. All the time when we look at study, we're thinking, I got to study to show myself approved. You already know you've been accepted and beloved. You don't have to do anything in that area. The only thing that you're doing is saying, God, I know who I am in you, so I'm going to please you based on who you say I am in you. I ain't worrying about what people say I should be doing or how I should be doing it. I'm studying. I'm making it an effort. I'm making it an endeavor. I'm diligently working hard to make myself pleasing unto you as a workman that rightly devise the word of truth so he's telling him timothy don't take this word out of content the word is what the word is and that's how i want you to give it to people a teacher have to rightly divide you cannot pull any scripture and say that's what that scripture is saying until you have total revelation from that scripture And now that I said that, I even feel a pull in the room because people are still debating on that word study. Go back and look it up. That's all we heard, right? Study to show yourself approved. So we're thinking that I got to go into the word of God and I got to study to show myself approved. God, I'm already pleasing to God because of Jesus Christ. So see, you can't take scripture out of content and use that scripture that way to say, now the Bible says study to show yourself approved. So you better get in that Bible and study to show yourself approved. But see what you're doing when you're studying, you recognizing who you are in him. And you live in that life before him that's pleasing before him and not to man. So my preaching and my teaching ain't for pleasing man. I'm pleasing unto God because I'm taking the word of truth and I'm rightly dividing the truth and I'm giving you what he's giving me so I am pleasing and acceptable unto God. That's what the word says. So see when you take time to study it out and by the way thank you Holy Ghost. The ones that skeptical over what I'm teaching go back and tell me what you come up with. Because I feel it. I feel the pull. So go back. Go through that verse. And see what the Holy Spirit tells you. Because let me tell you one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give you anything outside of the word of God. Because that's not me. 
I'm going to labor over it. So when he say study, that means you're laboring. You're a workman. What do workmen do? They labor over truth. They're making sure that what they're bringing is rightly divided. See, teachers have a great responsibility. You got to make sure that you're bringing what God wants you to bring according to his truth, not according to what some man said and you following what he's saying. Even when, I, even when you're hearing me, I want you to go back and ask the Holy Spirit. Don't, you can't just go on. Now, I'm going to give you truth, but you're supposed to search the scriptures on your own to see what God is saying unto you. But you know what I learned? When you have heard something for so long, it gets so rooted and grounded in you. But when the truth come, when the word is opened up the way it's supposed to, you get question marks all over the place. And then you be wondering, is that what that really said? So you have to get an understanding. And the reason why I pulled that is because the Lord had me to go back through the teaching and stuff. And I say, Okay, Holy Spirit, give me some examples. And when he gave me 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm like, oh, that's an easy one. We studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed. And guess what? Being that you're a workman, why are you not ashamed? Because guess what? I'm rightly dividing the word. I'm doing what the word tell me. So when I stand in front of him, I don't have no shame in my game. See, when I stand before God, I'm standing before him with truth because I know what the truth says. Adam and Eve brought shame on themselves when they disobeyed the word. So when he say a workman that need not to be ashamed, if I know I'm carrying his word the way I supposed to, ain't no shame in my game. I am covered. That's why teachers have to be covered. You have to take, whoo, I just feel this pull off me since I bought this verse. Whoo, Jesus. Who, who, who don't have it? I feel a pull, honestly. I, I feel a big pull. I'm telling you. I, I just feel that pull or shaking up here. Any old way. This is what the verse is saying. Just go back. And when you look up that verse, it will give you other scriptures that break it down as endeavor, diligently, labor. That's why you have to look at that word study coming out the King James, they put it as study, but it means endeavor, it means diligently, it means labor in other scriptures. So when you read those other scriptures, it's got the same Greek meaning, except it's another word, except study. This is why you have to study. This is why you have to go in there and toil and labor, be a workman, so you don't have to be ashamed when you bring in the word of God because you know you bring in the word correctly, so you ain't worrying about what nobody say. If you read the book of Timothy, Timothy was timid. This is why he told Timothy, he said um, about fear. Remember he told him that God did not give you the spirit of fear? But the power of love and of a sound mind, this little Timothy got set into a church of Ephesians. And he got set in this church and they had some stuff going on in this church. So Paul had to lift Timothy up to let Timothy know that God didn't give you no fear, Timothy. He said, you remember how we laid hands on you? You better stir up them gifts. On Timothy was scared, y'all. He got put in a place. Paul left him there. So Paul had to encourage Timothy to let him know you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of if you rightly dividing this word. Timothy, fear not. 
So when you know the, everything that's going on around Timothy, you will understand what the word is saying. I have learned through beating myself up. Why did you say that, Timothy? I mean, Paul, why did you say that? But when the Holy Spirit taught me how to go back and see the time that they were in, what they were doing at that time, you got to go back to Acts. If you look at the book of Acts, that's where you get in these different churches from. Paul went in Acts and visited these different places. That's why you got 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you got Romans. It's showing the places he went, and then he wrote letters to these churches that put, be put in the Bible, but it started out in Acts. It just gave you the letters later on. So when you know all of these things, you begin to put it together and you'd be like, wow, there go the illumination. Wow, that's why they said what they said. So a teacher has to know how to break down this word in order to bring it to you in a way for you to understand it. So this is why Ezra, remember in Nehemiah, Ezra the scribe came in and he was teaching them the word and they were getting understanding of the word it say the ones that understood the word if we got a whole crowd of people getting taught the same thing guess who the ones are going to be that come together the ones that understand this is why we have isms and schisms in the body of christ you know why because some people don't understand the teaching that's going forth i give you an example in miracle temple y'all know this in order to be a leader here at Miracle Temple, you have to participate in Bible study and you have to come to church services. Those are the times that we teach, right? Right? Actually, it should be Sunday school as well. Should be. You know why? Because a good leader is one that's willing to be taught, that's willing to learn. And as that teacher, that leader is taught, they can carry out what God has for this ministry. But if you have somebody that's hitting and missing and thinking, I don't need to be taught, but I want to be a leader. No, that don't work because we all need to be on one accord. Let's say we got leaders, some come and some don't. So when we got stuff going on, who you think going to be the ones that buck? The ones that don't come, the ones that don't understand what we doing, they're going to be the ones running their mouth. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling me even the ones that come running their mouth because they ain't taking in the teaching. Anybody that's bucking that's sitting here looking at me now, you ain't taking in what I'm teaching or you wouldn't be bucking. Be like Samuel. Yes, Lord, I hear you. With the right heart, not just with the lips, but with the heart. And we won't have so much trouble. Let me give you the scripture that the Lord is showing me. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. I'll teach you happy. I got that one from Apostle, but it was said another way. She's probably laughing right now. Listen at this in 1 Corinthians 12. I like this. I'm going to start at verse 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God have tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Verse 25 is what I want to read. That there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. What does that mean? Schisms mean division, right? So in order for us not to have division, we have to 
remember that every joint supply ain't nobody in here better than nobody else we coming together believing the same thing having the same mind getting the same teaching so the the hand ain't better than the foot that you know what i'm saying we working together to get the job done so there won't be no division in the body of christ so this is why you always supposed to have a good understanding of what's being taught so when you sitting down and a teacher is teaching you and let's say they teaching well then they go off and off field, way over there in the field somewhere they done went over there and never never land and you say what in the world are they doing over there a good teacher will pull you back in and they'll bring it together to let you know why they were over there and never never land so you won't think they got bipolar <laughs> they will they'll bring you right back to where that was and they'll make sense of everything and, and you'll be like oh gotcha but then if they pull you and never never land and leave you in there and then come back here they done lost you. So they done lost everything that they were saying in the beginning. So a good teacher is going to bring it so simple and give you so much understanding of what's being said. They're going to make you want to go home and eat that word like you never ate it before. When I hear good teaching, man, I pull out that Bible. I'll be like, wait, 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 hold it, hold it. There it is. That's the truth. Now, I want, I will run. What? That You own that now. You high five be doing my little gestures in my mm, mm, i felt that one be like sister Anne, that's a quickening <laughs> got a quickening <laughs> but that's what the word does for you when you hear good teaching it makes you want to go and um go into the word it's another thing that helps you with a good teacher when you see a good teacher working there too it makes you want to have a bible truth truth y'all no, it makes you want to have a Bible. When you see a good teacher flipping that Bible, going back and forth and telling you something, you'll be like, I'll give you an example. I was up here teaching one um, Tuesday, and as I was teaching, somebody come up to me and they say, um, where did you get that Bible? And I said, okay. So I was telling them about my Bible. They said, I said, but are you sure you want to purchase this Bible? Yeah, where did you get that Bible? I said, it's a King James so where did you get the Bible? So I'm telling them about the Bible. I say, you sure you want to purchase this Bible? Yeah. How much one of them Bibles like that cost? You sure you want to purchase this Bible? See, they liked the Bible, but it was what was coming out of the Bible that encouraged them about this Bible. So when I mentioned the price, they ain't saying nothing else about this Bible. <laughs> nothing else about this Bible. Come on, that'll back you off the word. I don't need nothing like that. Just give me a 995. I do all right. <laughs> it's the same word. It's the same word now. But the thing is, you a good teacher want everything laid out precisely, y'all. They want to make sure that they're dotting every I, covering every T, line upon line, precept upon precept. You notice a good teacher they, the Holy Spirit will speak to them and they say, let me go back to this verse here. The Lord want me to expound on this verse a little bit more because there's somebody in the room that need a little bit more on this verse. So we're going to stay right here just for a little bit. That's a good teacher. Now, a, a teacher that just keep going and going and going and you saying, you lost me, you lost me, you lost me. You can stop right there. That's a teacher that think they're really doing something. 
but you missed them in the beginning. And now they're trying to make it to the end to say, I got through it. You have to know when to stop. Because if you don't know when to stop, you can lose somebody. And I can tell you, I'm long-winded. But the Holy Spirit helps me to stop and say, that's enough for the night. Because I want you to grab hold to what he's teaching, to what he's already given you. I'm telling you, y'all, when you take one scripture and you meditate on that one scripture and you stay there, the Holy Spirit will give you another scripture to enlighten you on what you just read to tell you why that scripture is there. So just don't just take the word lightly. So a teacher have to really dissect that word for themselves to know what's being said. And you got to understand the timing that um, the word is being spoken in. Everybody got all of that? Okay, it was basically the same thing you had last Tuesday, right? Now, I'm going to give you a little bit on Jesus as a teacher, and I want to show you something. Now, Jesus as a teacher, we look at Matthew 5, 1 and 2, and it says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, So y'all know this was the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to catch something here. This is when Jesus began to teach. But when you go to Matthew 4, 17, it tells you that Jesus came in on the saying, saying, repent, right? Have a change of heart, have a change of mind. The kingdom of God has come unto you, right? He was preaching. He was preaching. Preaching means to proclaim. That means it's somebody out there that's proclaiming a message that's coming directly from the king. So he just proclaimed that message about the kingdom. But when you get over further down in Matthew, it said that he began to teach. So you'll have somebody proclaiming that message like an evangelist. Evangelist is going to go in and proclaim the message concerning the gospel of the kingdom. They're going to proclaim Jesus Christ. So it's just like they got a blow horn and they out there telling you about Jesus Christ. But then Jesus turned around after he proclaimed and he began to break it down, give them understanding concerning the kingdom of God. That's what a teacher does. A preacher proclaim. You can be a preacher. Everyone in this room can go out and proclaim this gospel, preach this gospel. When you hear somebody say, well, are you a preacher? Say yes. That's what you say. Yes. Well, do you have license? No. I don't need any license to preach. Preach means to proclaim. It means one that go out and give the message. But now when Jesus, after he proclaimed the message, when you look at the end of um, Matthew 4, it said that he taught. And when he taught, that's when the healing took place. Then in Matthew 5, he came again and he began to teach. He began to expound. He began to give them understanding. And this is when the Sermon on the Mount was going on from chapter 5 through chapter 7. Jesus was teaching. And then we look again at Matthew 9.35. He was preaching and teaching. It said, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogue and preaching. Why would they put both of those words together? Because when Jesus got through teaching, Jesus began to um, proclaim. 
you know, after he taught. Or he might preach, and then he might go into teaching. And this is what some people do. You'll catch some people preaching, then all of a sudden, they will begin to give you understanding. They will begin to instruct you on what they were preaching. So you have to know the difference. Can anybody tell the difference between preaching and teaching? Really? Wow, that's a good thing. Because in teaching, being taught, you get more understanding. A preacher will just leave you out there. And then you got to go home and figure it out for yourself. But a teacher would give you understanding of what was proclaimed, of what was preached. So that's what Jesus did. And in the Bible, it said, all God's children shall be taught of the Lord. You can look that up in Isaiah 54, 13. So he want all of us to be taught. Another thing that Jesus did, a good teacher is going to teach with authority. That's Matthew 7, 28 through 29. Jesus taught with authority. What was that scripture saying? He didn't teach like the scribes did. Because what they were doing, they were going on the law. They were going on tradition. They were um, going in there based on letter. Jesus was teaching um, with the authority that God gave him to, to teach. He was going on the spirit. He was teaching directly what God has sent him to teach. He didn't have to go in there and ask nobody else or go on what nobody else saying. He was going on what the word of God was saying unto him. Jesus was teaching by the spirit. And a good teacher, when they're teaching by the Spirit, they know that they're teaching the exact words that God has sent them to teach, and they're teaching it with authority. That means um, they have right to uh, teach what God has sent them to teach. So that's what Jesus was doing. And it said Jesus taught what the Father gave him to teach. Jesus didn't go outside of what the Father told him to teach. And you can look that up in John 17, verse 16. John 8 and 28, and John 12, 48 through verse 50. John 7, 16, John 8 and verse 28, and John 12, 48 through 50. Jesus only taught what the Father gave him to teach. And Jesus' final commission to the church involved teaching. We know that's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. When Jesus told them to go out and teach, that means to go out and make disciples. That's another verse of scripture that people get mixed up. When we look at Matthew 28, when, it, when he told them to go out and teach, some people think that's teaching. It says making disciples. So you got to look up those words because you tell people, he said go out and teach. That first teaching there is making of a disciple. And it says here, in verse 19, go ye therefore and teach. That first teach is to make disciples of all nations. And then it's telling you about baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says teaching them to observe. Now that's the word teach. So that's why I say people will get those words mixed up. You got to teach in, that, in those verses, but they mean totally different things. So if you don't look it up, you will tell somebody the wrong information. So all of us can teach, but it does not mean that all of us are teachers. And I want to point this out. Everything that I went over tonight, if you do not have an understanding of it, and if you do not go back into the word and get an understanding, do not go out and try to teach somebody something that you don't know because they'll trip you up. They will truly trip you up. And then you will be confused. <laughs> 
So make sure that you go back in and get enlightenment for yourself. And when you get enlightenment for yourself, it just flows out of you, just like a normal conversation. And, and then when they say, well, where can I find that? I'll get back with you tomorrow. Don't tell nobody nothing that you can't go find for yourself. Make sure. But this is sometime you can tell them, you know, this is in the word. And if they say, okay, where is it in the word? Say, you know what? I know that it's in the word. I can't give you the exact scripture now, but I know that it's in the word. And I'm going to get back with you and tell you exactly where I got it from. That's how you can handle that. But don't duck and dodge them. If you're telling them something, back up what you're saying through the word of God. Don't leave them hanging. If you know what you're talking about, you don't have to duck and dodge nobody. You're going to stand on what you know is true. So a good teacher will be able to back up what they're saying through the word of God. They will rightly divide it. They will not be ashamed of it because, you know, it is what the word says it is. Amen. So go back over those scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit bring it unto you the way that um, he know that you can receive it. And I guarantee you we'll all be on one accord. This is why a good teacher is going to break down that word and not going to give you anything because it feel good. It's supposed to cut them first. The word cuts. The word divides. It's like a two-edged sword. Amen. Dividing the soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow discerner of thoughts and know the intent of the heart so a good teacher is going to make sure that they know what the word of god is saying amen do we have anything from the teaching that anybody want to say jennifer What I get out of it, the way, this is how God gives it to me. When you, um, when you do your teaching, it reminds me of like an attorney, and I think of Tanya. When they go to court, they lay out their case, and then they have, um, they have, the, uh, they have the law to back up what they're saying. And so when you're laying out that scripture, you have studied, and you know that the law, which is God's law, the book, mm-hmm. you've got the scriptures that back up what you're saying and so to me that gives us when we get that in our heart then we can be bold about it because we know what we're standing on is truth and we don't have to be ashamed and look like a fool when somebody i want to say this this is so funny y'all um i had uh got me some earbuds um airpods and when i had gotten them i'm listening to the little fellow getting all his instructions on them and everything and so I thought I had everything like I needed to have it so I'm sitting there in my word just studying and all of a sudden I'm hearing these things beep in my ear and I said what's wrong with these things so they went out and they went out after about four hours and I said ain't a bit more better than what I had before I'm taking these things back just as fast as I got them Holy Spirit said call Apple and see what's going on so I said okay but in my mind I'm taking them back because this ain't right so as I'm talking to the, the technical person that know about the product, he said, um, where's your charger? I said, sitting right here beside me, thinking I had it all down pat. I'm getting ready to tr- take it back. I say, sit boldly, y'all, sitting beside me. Because you know how some of them will say, what did you do? So No, sitting right beside me. I thought I had him. He said, um, 
this is how it works. I said, okay, how does it work? He said, the charger is for you to carry around. When they lose charge, you stick them in the charger. They charge back up in 15 minutes. You got 100% charge. You ready to go. That's why you take that. I said, oh. <laughs> I got an understanding. Now, what if I had not have called and got an understanding? I would have told you, Quant, don't you buy that mess. It don't even last like the LG headsets. Just take it back from whence it came. I would have said something that I did not understand. But when I got clarity of what I had, I got a good understanding. So I look at the charger now. I'm like, when I hear that beep, beep, I'm going to stick them in there. They're going to be good to go. So it made me happy. This is what I'm telling you. When you get a good understanding of the word, it makes you happy. It brings you some joy. It brings you some comfort. And you'll be like, oh, 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 thank you, Jesus. I understand what you're saying now. And, and then you can take that word and you can apply that word because you have understanding of that word. But if you never get into this word, I can preach you happy. But when you leave out of here, you're going to be down and out again. Why? Because you ain't going back to what have preached you happy and got into it to, so your joy can steady come. So I'm telling you, it takes this word to live, y'all. So if you're not going back in it and you're just showing up just to say I'm here, it's not going to do you any good. And I see people trying to get something from God they already got. But if you're getting taught with what you already have, you will spend less time begging God for what you already got. And you'll be thanking God because you have an understanding that you already got it. Isn't that awesome? So that's what we have to do. Shirley? certainly is. It's good when you have it, isn't it? It's so good when you know. Amen. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to close with our offering.